Let me get this thing. Uh, mic check. Can I get a mic check? Guardians, Guardians 3. Rocket Groot. I am Groot. Mic check. <laughs> Sorry, it's been a minute, so I'm going to make sure everything still works. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Look It Up podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today, we are discussing Guardians Volume 3. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, 2023, an American superhero film based on the Marvel Comics superhero team Guardians of the Galaxy, produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. It is the final installment in the Guardians of the Galaxy film trilogy, the sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy 2014 and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 2017. Um, Guardians 1 was created on a budget of, I'm seeing 232, uh, and then a runtime of 122 minutes. The second one, and it, it, and it grossed uh, $773 million. Second one was a little bit longer at a runtime of 137 minutes at a budget of $200 million, a little bit cheaper, give or take inflation. But it brought in a box office of $869 million on the second Guardians. The third Guardians movie thus far is sitting at the longest runtime for the Guardians movie, 150 minutes with a budget of $250 million. Of course, you've got to really pack in the inflation in there as well. So it's definitely a, a bigger movie on just about all the scales that you can possibly measure it on. So um, let me kind of give you my uh, initial take going into Guardians of the Galaxy 3, just where, where my headspace is regarding the MCU, maybe the DC universe, maybe just superheroes in general, maybe just content in general. Okay, so Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I got to admit, I'm a little bit superheroed out. My mindset going into it, I was like, I don't know if I can take any more Guardians. I don't know if I can take any more superheroes. I don't know if I can take any more generic superhero plot. How bad of a taste Ant-Man 3 Quantumania has just left this taste in my mouth of just like between the the last few MCU movies just not really packing a punch, an emotional punch that feels like it matters and is fun and it is worth the time. I feel like we really haven't had a solid MCU movie since, um, I mean, you don't really consider the Spider-Man movies um, MCU movies. They're technically outside the realm give, given that they're created with uh, co-production of Sony, but I feel like it's been almost since No Way Home spider-man and even before then um in game I'm, I'm trying to think of anything between that that i really cared about to this extent i gotta say guardians of the galaxy volume three pushing through everything the mcu has done since Endgame, even wakanda forever i don't think delivered as much as it as it could have despite having the rewrites that it needed to have guardians of the galaxy volume three does it deliver I think it does. So there are caveats to Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that I have. Um, specifically, 
in the superhero universe right now, we're in multiverse world where nothing really feels like it matters. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, um, all of these random Disney Plus shows, uh, Loki, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Mrs. Marvel, all these, they kind of just feel small scale, even though they're supposed to be all in the same world. Everyone's supposed to be very interactive. They're supposed to have stakes. The multiverse is supposed to matter. None of that has felt like it's really mattered over the course of the MCU since Endgame. Endgame being, I believe that was 2019. So um, this movie brings back the stakes. It brings back the things I really missed about Marvel. One of them being the CGI since Endgame has just been through the roof. It's been so excessive that you can, the, the human eye can just tell that these actors since Endgame have, are just sitting in the volume. They are looking around at green screen as like nonsense CGI nonsense. You know, There's, you can just tell that they're not interacting in the world. Everything seems the same temperature. No one's ever sweating. It doesn't seem like a very strenuous, a very difficult uh, uh, movie to produce. Although it could be, I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish the work of thousands and thousands of people over the course of the MCU. I just want to say that it just doesn't feel like the movies have been the same since Endgame. All of those movies that they've released and all of these um, television shows that Disney and Marvel has been producing since Endgame these last couple of years have been very much affected by feeling that they are not in a tangible space. Now, James Gunn, I have had... Uh, Mostly pretty, pretty positive praise to say for the guy. I want to say that the first Guardians was kind of a surprise um, Easter egg kind of movie where it just seems like they let him do whatever he really wanted to do as long as it was, you know, within the realm of the Guardians of the Galaxy world. Um, but it was fun. It was exciting. It was different. It was unlike anything we had ever really seen before. The casting really worked. I'm not crazy about Chris Pratt in any other piece of media, but I think he works as Star-Lord. I think he works as two characters in all of content ever, and that is Star-Lord, and I think, what is the Parks and Rec, was it Andy? So I think those are his two best roles, and when he's playing into the comedic chops and not just trying to play the, the gung-ho action hero, which I don't think he plays very well, he's, he feels very plain and boring. He, he has, he's so much more self-reflective when he's actually playing to the comedic chops. So uh, Chris Pratt's in this. We got Zoe Saldana in this. We got Dave Batista, a wild Batista, uh, Karen Gillian, um, Pam Klemeth, uh, Vin Diesel, uh, Bradley Cooper, Will Poulter, Sean Gunn, Chuidi Iwiji, I think. Uh, sorry if I said that wrong. Um, mispronounced it. Lindy Cardellini, Nathan Fillion, and a couple other big names that are on the on the roster as well. Don't want to give too many away. This is the same cinematographer, so we're getting the same look. Henry Brom is the same cinematographer as the second Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, not And the first one being uh, Ben Davis. So you can definitely see the visualization, the differences between the two, uh, or sorry, the three movies. I actually prefer the look of the second movie and the third movie 
to the first one. Just uh, something about the visualization and, and the way that they kind of are forming the world. Now, this movie is head to toe CGI. I just complained like hell about too much CGI, but this is a ton of CGI. But something about this CGI, it, the, there's texture, there's world. It feels like they built tangible sets. They're on quote unquote starships. They're on worlds. They're on, it, it feels, like the sets are actually tangible. I mean, it's a $200 million, sorry, this is a $250 million budget. So it looks like a good chunk of it actually went to building some actual sets and actually having some sort of tangibility to the, um, you know, to the, the, the film, which is something I feel like we've desperately been missing since like I said, Endgame. I, Wakanda Forever has some of the best acting, I think, since we've had Endgame. Like, I don't think we've had anything better than, like, an Angela Bassett. But we've got some great performances in here. And basically, the reason I think this movie works is because it has the, the tonal shifts that James Gunn is very good at doing. He's able to have comedic chops and he's able to have dramatic chops. And he is a very good uh, chef, so to speak, in blending the two in this uh, specific Guardians of the Galaxy. And then having a little sprinkle of hashtag family in it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, we got our Vin Diesel in there. Um, speaking of which, Fast and Furious comes out this week, I believe. Need to get on that. Um, anyways, the, the main thing I, I got to say is James Gunn is at his James Gunniness. You know, he's at his weirdest. He's got, apparently he's had Guardians of the Galaxy 3 written for a very, you know, kind of a long time. And he's just small rewrites to, to kind of have the characters where he needs them to be. But um, you can kind of tell that this feels very confident in the storytelling. Like it's 150 minutes. Did I see that right? It's, it's a chonky movie. But I'd say that the pacing is pretty damn good for a finale. I did not feel the the halt and screeches that you would think that you would feel on a movie like this. It definitely feels like the 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 ending of this um, trilogy. So that's kind of my two cents about what is is it worth going to see? Absolutely. There's a reason that it only dropped about 50, less than fifty percent. One of the the least amount of drops that a, a, a MCU movie has had, and it's because it does deal with adult content, but it also has that sprinkle of family. It reminds me of Spielberg in the best ways when E.T., um, well, I, I don't think he did the Goonies, but I think he's a producer on the Goonies. Anytime he's like working with, um, you know, families, kids and that type of thing, there's always this, uh, this, uh, I don't know how to like kind of describe it, but it's like the sense of danger. I feel like there is always this like level of danger that uh, Spielberg is working with, even when you can kind of see how his uh, how he has um, his fingerprints on like the Indiana Jones franchise as well. And there's just tons of Spielberg. I feel like Gunn is pulling from from here. Let me see. Um, Spielberg family films i don't have them off the top of my head let me say um yeah like what a uh, hook was not probably one that i would probably say off the top of my head but uh you know uh, did he do roger rabbit he didn't do roger rabbit but i think he was a producer on it let me see. 
yeah but anyways uh like like hook bfg um anything that he basically had his his uh legacy on you can see like a tinge of danger in a way and that's i feel like you can feel that in the guardians film so um let me see okay so in the film the guardians embark on a mission to protect rocket played by bradley cooper um voiced by bradley cooper one of his best performances i i gotta say he's you can kind of hear the uh stars born and you can the, the graveliness which i heard that he had practiced the stars born voice for like two or three hours a day just lowering the octave of his voice just just kind of practicing it i think that's kind of cool just imagine like daily you're just trying to do these voice exercises to lower your voice automatically to talk deeper all the time it's for me i feel like i gotta like get down deep in it to talk deeper i guess you know (laughs) so um yeah anyways um it's a good movie it's a good fucking movie it was released uh on april 22nd 2023 uh premiered at disneyland paris and was released in the united states on may 5th cinco de maya as part of phase five of the mcu i think this is the second film in the mcu phase five um i want to say that ant-man three was probably the uh or ant-man quantum mania was probably the uh last one which is going to be interesting to see what they do with the whole jonathan major situation not going to talk about that today just don't have the time but um yeah let me see what else we got i'm gonna adjust this hair all right um let's see so yeah this is uh the fourth highest grossing film of 2023 many people think that it's going to surpass and become the number one film of the summer which we got fast x or domestic film of the summer i think fast x has a chance to go up there pretty high but it's not tracking nearly as well as this guardians film is um the flash is probably going to do pretty good considering it has all these those cameos in it um anything else barbie's probably going to do pretty good but i'm I'm seeing that it looks like more of an adult film than a kid's film so it's going to be interesting to see how the summer pans out with regards to the um, box office. So be sure to check out patreon.com slash look at all podcasts for all of the reviews. You can get this review early. You can be listening to this like days, hours, months, weeks earlier. If you would sign up patreon.com slash look at all podcast early, straight to the pod, straight to the RSS feed. You got it. Other things that the Patreon also does for new individuals that are looking at the Look It Out podcast or on lookitoutpodcast.com. You can check all the links out there. The Patreon also has uh, reviews on retrospective cartoons, stuff like you got Scooby-Doo, you got Yu-Gi-Oh, you got Curry's the Cowardly Dog. We've got reviews on there specifically for the Patreon members starting at a dollar, I believe. And then we have the $2 level where it's gonna give you the full access as well and then the three dollars where you also get the retrospective full review and full access to the full library three dollars a month what is that a cup of coffee in most places a cup of coffee costs more than that normally so it's like half a cup of coffee um 
But patreon.com slash podcast for the full review. You can get everything you need that's good there. Um, again, thank you for liking, subscribing, doing what you can do to help uh, support the podcast. My brain just broke for a second. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we are going to hop into the plot for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Spoilers starting now. All right, so there are a couple things that I forgot to mention in the spoiler-free section. Of course, the standard rating. This is an 8 out of 10 for me. Um, This movie happens to be my number one movie as of right now. What is it? May 16th. And it's just by a hair. There's a couple other movies that I have right underneath Guardians of the Galaxy 3 that I think uh, are worthy of being up there as well. But Guardians of the Galaxy 3 seems to have the... Uh, the light and the dark. That's that's basically how I've been defining it. The comedy and the drama blend. It just works. So the couple things that I forgot to mention in the spoiler-free section before we get to the spoiler section was there is kind of an excessive use of music when you have uh, elevated and ballooned budgets over the course of time. Just think of the movie like Air. It's kind of, it's an independent movie about, uh, or it's not an independent movie. It's a, um, it's a smaller movie featuring Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and they're over there trying to uh, do the whole deal with Nike and Michael Jordan and, and bringing them together. But if you look at the scenes, every other scene of that movie has a soundtrack, something recognizable that you are going to hear every other scene, almost that it's beating you over the head. Guardians of the Galaxy 1 had a uh, a staple of the series of having a very kind of eclectic type of music different because of the uh, circumstances that Star-Lord is taken out of, um, he's, he's taken off of Earth in the first movie. So you can kind of see how the music progression uh, flows in each movie. And I'd say the third movie is the one that it kind of works the least for me, but it's not to an extent that it really uh, is... Uh, too distracting for me as a viewer. I'd say there's only one specific song um, that happens kind of in the middle that I just feel like it's a little excessive. It's just like when Tarantino likes to drive and uh, drive us in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for five minutes and not only we listen to the full song, we're listening to both songs. We'll listen to two songs, three songs. You know, it's uh, sometimes it feels like the... um, Sometimes it feels like the director just wants to play their favorite music for us, the viewer, which if they got a good soundtrack and it works with what the story is doing, by all means. But if there's an excessive amount, I'm not too crazy about it. So let's get into, oh, and one other thing, the last thing that I want to cover is if you do not like animal cruelty, everyone's going to discuss this in this movie. Um, this is kind of a big plot point within the movie. So if you are just not down with animal cruelty at all, even though I think this movie is actually anti-animal cruelty, anti-animal testing, I think it's probably in the eyes of the viewer, which is, uh, sorry, in the eyes of the creator, James Gunn, I think that he would say it's pro-vegan in a way. Just it's really hammering down that um, alley, if you know what I mean. So Without going into too many more spoilers, I just wanted to kind of give that off. 
uh, the top of my head. And um, the last thing is this is a hardcore PG-13. I know some people are going to say that we haven't seen a true proper PG-13 movie in what feels like a couple years. I can't think of the last PG-13 movie that really pushed the boundaries of what we can really show within the PG-13 realm without going into the R rating. If you hadn't told me this was PG-13, I would have thought that this was possibly an R-rated movie. Now, I know that it's not just because I've seen it, um, you know, advertised, and I know that it's a family film, and, I, it, you know, this would be really big news if Disney had had their first uh, R-rated MCU movie. But, I mean, there is some adult content in here to the extent where it is a hard PG-13. So, I wanted to uh, clarify all that before getting into the spoilers. Those were some things I forgot in the non-spoiler section. So, um, let me know if you have any questions. Again, in the chat, we're live on Twitch at the moment, and if you're on any other platform, be sure to check out uh, Look It Out Podcasts, uh, Apple iTunes, YouTube, all the other, SoundCloud. We got a lot of interactivity on all of those platforms, and again, I appreciate all of the support. Subscribe, thumbs up, follow. You know what to do to help the local creators. Um, so let's get into the plot for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. <clears throat> get a little bit of coffee. I'm going to have to fix this light. It looks like this one's got a dead bulb on me. We'll do it later. No time, Dr. Jones. Here's the plot for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Spoilers ahead. At their new headquarters on Nowhere, the Guardians of the Galaxy are attacked by Adam, a sovereign warrior created by their high priestess, Aisha. After Adam overpowers them and critically wounds Rocket, he is stabbed by Nebula and forced to flee. Now, Adam Warlock is a character more known in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy universe. Um, this is played by Will Poulter. Everyone, they, they did the Kumel Nanjiani bullshit with him. They show months and months of this guy working out and then give him like 30 seconds of a half shirtless, half, half sleeveless scene. And I got to say... Will Poulter looks great. I think he looks in phenomenal shape, but this character is completely underwritten. I didn't mention this in the, uh, uh, or underutilized. I don't know if it's underwritten, but Will Poulter is just kind of, feels like he's just there on set, and then the rest of the team is um, uh, kind of doing other things. He kind of feels like a sideline or like the studio's heads that say we need to get uh will we need to get uh, adam warlock in there for the fans and all that you know so uh yeah i thought he was a little bit underused but i gotta say the action in it was very compelling which again going ahead with the superhero stuff after watching peacemaker after watching james gunn uh perform in the last couple guardians movies I knew that he could shoot action. I knew that he could shoot comedy and this blend just works here, but also it's a little bit disarming as well. If you have comedy placed perfectly within your movie, 
there also gives you that gives you opportunities to have very interesting uh, dramatic points, which right here is what brings us to Rocket. Um, very much this movie is surrounded by the uh, voice of Bradley Cooper, uh, the the Rocket character. He is kind of a little bit existential in this movie, you know, kind of at a wit's end. And you apparently, well, you get the majority of his story through flashbacks. And I would say that I wish it could have been weaved in there a little bit more. Most of the time, Rocket Raccoon in this movie, like I said, spoilers are ahead. He's on like a, a, a medical flag. I don't know what it's called, like a gurney or something like that. Um, but he's basically down for the count and everything that we're seeing through him, even on the trailers, which I think were done pretty well. You see Baby Rocket, you see his other friends, and we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the the Toy Story Sid-like nature that is happening with these animals and just how fucked it is. It's just like, I didn't think it was going to get this dark. I was not surprised. Uh, sorry, I was surprised by how um, um, how dark it went. So continuing on, um, Rocket, uh, okay, so Rocket's critically wounded and we need to help him basically. The Guardians are unable to tend to Rocket's wounds due to a kill switch made by the company OrgoCorp. It's kind of hard to say. Uh, Embedded in him. It's kind of like the Suicide Squad thing. So like if you try to get it out of there, then it kills him or something like that. They travel to OrgoCorp's (laughs) Uh, headquarters to find the override code Um, and like I said the CGI there's CGI wall to wall rocket CGI Groot CGI the the world CGI but I for some reason it's like Disney just decided this is the one we're going to put all our money into because the previous previous ant-man even wakanda forever a couple of those scenes they just did none of them really held held a candle to what this movie has the cgi in this is impeccably good um so what else do we got okay so as rocket lies unconscious he recalls his past as a baby raccoon he experiments he was experimented on by the high evolutionary. The same guy is in Peacemaker, and I think he does a pretty damn good job at from the transition of Peacemaker to uh, to here. I think this actor is just uh, he's on the way up, and I know he's definitely one of James Gunn's guys. When James Gunn likes you, he puts you in all your stuff, all of his stuff. Um, so. The high evolutionary, a scientist who sought to enhance and anthropomorphize animal life forms to create a counter earth. Rocket befriended the high evolutionary's other test subjects, the otter Lila, the walrus Teeths, which kind of reminds me of Tusk a little bit, um, and the movie Tusk, and um, the rabbit Floor. The high evolutionary was, and let me just say about the designs and all these, fucked, all fucked. Rocket Raccoon turning out to be a raccoon with basically just being able to talk and a couple other things wrong. You know, he's got scars on him, but he's not a transformed ass. Uh, These animals, okay, so for everyone that has not seen Guardians of the Galaxy 3 and wants to know what these animals look like, they look like 
animals that were put in the saw contraptions of like one or two and they never got out and somehow they lived with the saw contraptions the bunny has like its mouth completely shut with like this wire thing it looks like a bear trap where its mouth is supposed to be and for her it is extremely uh, traumatizing and it's like oh my god and then of course um the walrus the walrus is the legs or something were replaced on him and he's rolling around in like a wheelchair a, a, a walrus so we're like oh my god really what is these aren't even like animal tests they're just like fucked up um fucked up procedures that they were doing to them they're like when i think a test is like you know they're testing them in the lab and stuff like that which we do see we see like turtles get thrown in there and just they, they just transform and shit like that but like these animals are straight up sid from toy story just just remove the arm and slap something metal up against it and it's just fucked and what is it the, the otter it has its arms removed and it has like these metal arms it, it, it I, if i'm remembering everything correctly it's all fucked when i first saw that and you were introduced to it like uh you know rocket raccoon's a little baby in this like little cage and you know scared in the dark like what's going on and these like animals coming out of the darkness and at first you're like horrified and you're like oh my god horrified for another reason that these animals have been like fucking tested on it was uh so many so many feelings were going through my head when i was watching this i was like this is the darkest i think i've seen disney go probably since toy story i can't think of anything that's really gone in that direction since then but that's this is where i would say the warnings for a lot of the kids and a lot of the adults that don't like this type of stuff and i totally agree with uh the people that aren't about it um but i gotta say the the movie is not glorifying it i i want to be specific about that the movie is saying we shouldn't do this we you know these are the extreme versions of animal testing but we shouldn't even do the the lower versions is what is what i'm getting from this movie which i generally agree like i don't i don't like animals didn't ask to get perfume sprayed on them and shit like that like i've got very mixed feelings about animal testing and i like i you know i don't i don't think it should i don't think they should be tested on at all um but i also do see that we need to have some sort of base of trying things out i know maybe try it on a human that wants the human trials and stuff like that i don't know i'm not a scientist doctor engineer whatever the fuck you want but basically what i'm saying is um this movie seems to be heavily um pro animal let's just say that let me see what else we got uh okay so the high evolutionary was impressed by rocket's rapidly growing intelligence but became furious once it, it exceeded his own rocket is like able to go into at this point he's able to talk all of the animals are able to talk i believe and rocket is able to talk to the high evolutionary um in the lab and he has just knowledge and understands the functionality of like the type of testing they're doing on animals and he sort of helps them out a little bit so we have uh The high evolutionary perfected his experience experiments, sorry, his experiments with Rocket's advice, but ordered Rocket's brain to be extradited and his friends incinerated. 
which we do see some of the projects, some of the animals that are tested on later. Some of them are like straight pig-like and just like fucking big ass, like looking crazy looking shits. And then other ones are, you know, the rocket ones, um, the cute ones, the the otter one, the otter and the walrus and all that. So what else do we have? Um, Incinerate, okay. Rocket freed Lila only for the high evolutionary to come out. I think he had a kill switch and he comes out and just like, and just boom, boom, boom. Enraged, Rocket mauled the high evolutionary and shot his guards. But Teeths and Floor were killed in the chaos. Alone, Rocket stole a spaceship and fled. Now, this is a little bit predictable in the way that it's happening. I, I, I can't think off the top of my head about when I've seen this, but it's kind of like when we see like prisoners doing like a prisoner escape and then all of the main care, everyone but the main character essentially is taken out. We've seen this before in a couple other types of films, but um, this one specifically hit home because these are animals being tested on. It's just it's extra fucked. Let me see what else. It's interesting that there's like this animal testing plot line going on. If you watch um, Sweet Tooth on Netflix, that is a big, big plot point through that uh, show. Definitely would recommend. Not quite as cruel either. In the present, the alternate version of Gamora, who has joined the Ravengers, helps the Guardians infiltrate Ogocorp. They retrieve Rocket's file, but discover the code has been removed. The group speculates that the Thiel, one of the high evolutionary's advisors, has it so they can depart for counter-Earth. I do got to say that the speculation is uh, is very, uh, I don't know, just uh, convenient, a little bit on the nose. It's just like, how did you know that? How, did, how were y'all connected to the dots here? But you just kind of have to say... I digress and continue on. They are followed by uh, Aisha and Adam, which Adam is the son of Aisha. They're like the warlock uh, people that were made by the High Evolutionary, I believe. And Adam Warlock's got this whole, like, he's too powerful, kind of dumb, doesn't know it. And, you know, his plot line in in this whole, like, his mother getting taken out here in a little bit, it just didn't work for me. And I don't feel like there's any emotional connection to him um, through this movie. So, uh, okay, so yeah, Aisha and Adam are ordered by their creator, the High Evolutionary, to retrieve Rocket for his brain. Upon arriving, the team is helped by residents in tracing Thiel to the High Evolutionary's ship. Drax and Mantis remain with Gamora and Rocket as Peter Quill and Groot and Nebula travel to the High Evolutionary's ship. I got to say, the the comedy between having Nebula and Peter Quill kind of as the, not the will they won't they, but they clearly are like the, the standout leaders of the group. Um, Nebula is basically got the body of the body of a god. She got the body of an Iron Man. 
Now she got the body of an Iron Man. Like she's changing her arms and shit like that. And um, I was like, so basically she's like a human Swiss army knife. She does whatever she needs to do when they need to do it. And, you know, that's that's pretty convenient. Not going to lie. He's, Groot kind of does the same, but he does it with more like organic matter. So they travel to the high evolutionary ship. Nebula is forced to wait outside by uh, by guards uh, as Quill and Groot board. Drax and Mantis pursue Quill's group. The high evolutionary infiltrates, sorry, infiltrates, initiates his destruction and planned recreation of counter earth which kills all life on the planet including aisha it's just like the world is just exploding around there when they get there basically everyone in this world is is like worshiping the high evolutionary they have like statues of him like the 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 lib, uh, statue of liberty but it's it's him instead they have uh, monuments and just worlds created this guy but and just like that he's like we're gonna blow the shit up fuck it and then all of these like animal looking hybrid human people things everywhere everything's just blowing up blowing up blowing up and then you can see adam more like he's like no mom and all of a sudden boom mom gone so uh yeah, it kills Aisha. As his ship enters orbit, the high evolutionary, Quill and Groot leap off and kill Thiel. It's the guy with the, the headband on him, right? Um, with the kill switch, supposedly. Retrieving the code from him, Gamora arrives with their ship to rescue them. While Nebula, Mantis, and Drax board the high evolutionary ship to escape the planet. I gotta uh, just say one more thing that I did forget to mention that there's like a small cameo by Sylvester Stallone. It's the 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 uh, Ravengers, Ravagers, who are the group of individuals that Gamora is now with. She's no longer considered a guardian because she's the different Gamora from another timeline and all that good stuff. Um, because the other one died in Endgame or Infinity War or whatever. I think it was Infinity War? I can't remember. I think it was Infinity War. So, um, yeah, yeah. Gamora arrives with the ship to rescue them. Nebula Mantis Drax board the high evolutionary ship to escape the planet. As Quill's group attempts to act attempts to access the code rocket flatlines and has a near-death experience you see basically quill on the trailers he's like no like he's completely just losing his shit um and that's where a lot of people thought that this i thought that there would be at least two to three major deaths within this specific movie were there deaths were they major there were deaths i don't think they're major uh, continue. I, the, the one reason that I didn't think that Rocket was going to die after all of this was how much time we were putting into trying to save him. When generally the rule of thumb is if you are trying to save a specific member of the group for the entire length of the movie and we don't save them at the very end, it's kind of like, what was all this for? Or you know, there, or if there's not some other big reason of why they're not going to live or be there, or whatever. Um, generally, 
the rule of thumb is the person, the, the, the animal, the thing is going to live. But that doesn't mean we might not lose other members of the team trying to bring them back. It's kind of like a saving Private Ryan kind of situation. Um, so uh, Rocket reunites with uh, Lila, Teeths, and Floor in like the purgatory-type heaven-esque area where the the animals are bringing them in like patting patting rocket on the back accepting him saying you know uh you're you know you'll be joining us and then it's right before he walks into heaven she's like but not yet and then sends him back and he's like and he whooshes back and uh it, it definitely got me choked up there's multiple times in the movie that i thought i was going to um you know tears were gonna flow but um it uh it didn't quite get me but it i can see it getting anyone else it's not i'm not like cold-hearted or anything like that i just wasn't quite there with those characters yet i wanted just a little bit more connection with the teeths and lila character maybe some a little bit more maternal it, she definitely feels like like this mother that is embracing rocket and i wanted a little bit more of that kind of maternal feeling between them but nothing that really took away from the movie it would just just a little bit more time with them would have been probably a little uh got me a little bit more lila tells him that his time has not come yet has not yet come as quill uses the code to disable the kill switch and save rocket's life nebula mantis and drax encounter hundreds of imprisoned humanoid chicken uh chicken what the fuck am i saying chicken i think i'm hungry i love chicken imprisoned humanoid children i was like i said chicken let me let me do that again nebula mantis and drax encounter hundreds of imprisoned humanoid children on the uh, high evolutionary ship before being captured now I think this is a scene that just shows how good of an actor that they uh, that Dave Batista is with children I don't know if they just happen to have all these children on set for just absolutely no reason it, it kind of felt like out of nowhere like it would have been easy to write this scene out but for some reason they I guess they just wanted a big group of kids to dance at the end or something i'm not really sure the uh the reasoning why they just decided to work with like 30 kids for it was like a classroom full of kids that dave batista basically has to make laugh for half an hour for 20 minutes or something like that um it's cute but it's like was that necessary was that plotline even necessary at all um anyways so they have to save the kids continuing on um quill's group sets out to rescue the three placed in a chamber with um, monstrous ab abelisks mantis befriends the abelisks allowing the group to escape and reunite with quinn's group sorry quill's group uh together overpowering the high evolutionaries army so there's this big battle a lot of action, a lot of fighting. Let me talk about the three main actions scenes in this movie. The first one being obviously the one with Adam Warlock. It was it was pretty engaging. Came he came in fast. He whoops some ass. Everyone has like their uh, everyone has their chance to shine and fight and whatnot at the beginning. And 
almost each time there is a major battle. So the second time Nathan Fillion's like basically trying to kill Drax at one point during the time where they're on that all meat planet or whatever the hell that was, um, that that scene works uh, from an action standpoint as well. But I got to say the, the the music from that second scene, it was like, it was like reasons, the reasons, you know, like, it just felt like random music playing for no reason during that action scene. Although I did like the action and I thought that Drax was probably going to die a couple times considering how many times he said, I'm 60 and I'm tired of being a superhero. I want to do uh, other movies. Um, so I can, I continuously thought people were going to die in all of these action scenes. And then the final one we have, when we have rocket Groot, we have star Lord, Chris Pratt, we have everybody coming in, man just does something. Everyone's going in and it's like a long take going around everybody whooping ass, whoosh, you know, you never know when you get a straight whoosh, to the face. It was a pretty damn cool action scene. I don't really know much more to say about that, but, um, uh, the, the camera works well done. It's, um, very visually interesting and i know what's going on the uh the thing about um long movies with a bunch of action scenes is they can get repetitive in a way and i never felt this movie movie was repetitive even a little bit so so they uh overpower the high evolutionaries army i gotta say um a couple good funny callbacks about how the high evolutionary looks like robocop like his face has been like stretched onto like some metal or something like that as if he looking like star lord literally calls him robocop looking ass or something like that and he's like got his head like his face looks like it's stretched i I thought the makeup looked pretty good um and the reason that his whole like backside of his face and his face was all fixed up in metal was because of uh rocket attacking him when he was escaping a long time ago so uh okay so rocket discovers oh sorry no craig craglin and cosmo arrive with nowhere and cosmo creates a telekinetic tunnel connecting nowhere to the high evolutionary's ship to free the children Rocket discovers imprisoned animals on the ship before being attacked by the High Evolutionary, but the rest of the Guardians help subdue him, uh, leaving him to perish on his ship. The Guardians rescue the animals and lead them aboard nowhere. Quill nearly dies trying to cross over, and I gotta say, this was the scene I was like, God dang! About three or four scenes in this movie that I was like, this could easily be rated R. First one was obviously the animal cruelty and just seeing animals being tested on in general. I was like, this is kind of fucked. Second one was, um, oh, was the high evolutionary's face, literally face off, face off. I, I was in shock about like, the type of violence we were getting. I don't think I've seen a PG-13 movie where someone's face gets literally taken off and you just see like the big, the the, the redness under it. The, I mean, the makeup looks great. A, a, a child, the, this movie is going to traumatize some kids in the same way that Spielberg did with uh, Temple of Doom, I believe. And Temple of Doom created 
that last scene where the dude's face is all fucked up at the end of that of Temple of Doom. I believe that was the one that created um, uh, PG thirteen ratings. So the, hell, if if they may, wanted to make another rating between PG thirteen and R, I feel like it could probably be called this. The you know the gun rating rated rated gun because you you never know. <laughs> tip of the gun i don't know <laughs> um but i was uh and then this third scene which is quill nearly dying it's like his face becomes completely distorted <laughs> in the same ways that they have like zombies and, and shit like that i was like dude this guy this guy's done i was uh, i had in-game feelings i was like oh shit we're about to lose star lord and it turns out Quill nearly dies trying to cross over, but Adam Warlock, who's been in almost none of the movie, even recapping the movie, it's like Groot has more stuff to do than Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock comes out of the explosions, grabs Quill. Quill's face is still like fucked up and, you know, completely uh, exploded like someone's head had been in outer space. Evidently, when you're in outer, outer space, like your skin, like, it, it, I don't know, explodes or not explodes, but... Um, kind of implodes um but his face just looked completely distorted like he was turning into some sort of zombie adam gets him out and you think that star lord is going to make that jump he's like and then when he's not making he's like oh fuck and the rest of the team's like oh shit he ain't gonna make it and that's when his face like like just going all over the place um I was uh, I was just surprised by the way that they were able to kind of still have me on the edge of my seat despite how crazy it was getting. So uh, finishing up, uh, he's Quill is saved by Adam, who had a change of heart after being saved by Groot. Um, in the aftermath, Quill leaves the Guardians, bestowing the captaincy to Rocket before leaving for Earth to reunite with his grandfather Jason, who's like this big actor that we thought we thought it was going to be like a big actor big some sort of reveal i don't think anybody really knew who it was but okay it's his grandpa mantis embarks on a journey of self-discovery with the abelisks uh gamara reunites with the ravengers and uh nebula and drax remain on nowhere to raise the rescued children and if we remember correctly, like Drax was, uh, he, he lost his family in, I believe, the first movie. And so he's always wanted to be this kind of settle down kind of guy. And I guess that's kind of where the children kind of come in. It gives Drax uh, and Nebula something to do. Although I did think Drax and, and Mantis were going to have some sort of relationship. They kind of, he kind of like gives a little like tear on the way. I was like, man, I thought we had something bad. God, I thought we had something special. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, what else do we have? Gamora, okay, so, oh, the mid-credit scene. So there's, um, what is there, mid-credit, post-credit? The mid-credit scene is the new Guardians, consisting of Rocket, Groot, Cosmo, Kraglin, Adam, and Phyla, one of the rescued children, and Adam's pet, Blurp. Uh, oh, it's that little fuzzy thing, I guess, that they keep talking about. Take on a new mission. And they're like fighting a whole bunch of these like messed up animal looking hybrids. It's like, I thought we just went through a whole movie that said we weren't going to do this. 
that we were going to fight the animals, that we want to save the animals. Oh, God. Didn't we learn nothing? We learned nothing. Anyways, in a post-credit scene, Quill has breakfast with his grandfather. And there's some interesting stuff on the newspaper that they're reading on there. It's like Kevin Bacon tells all or something like that. I don't know. So anyways, that, my friends, is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. 2023 directed by uh james gunn let me know what you thought about the review let me know if you have any questions in the chat we got the chat open right now again if you're listening to the vod or on any other platform be sure to check out twitch.com slash look at our podcast you can check out look at our podcast.com for all of the other links links are in the description you know how to get us um anything else that we needed to discuss uh I got to say, Karen Gillen is one of my favorite newcomers of uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Gamora and Gamora and Star-Lord not getting together at the end feels very natural. It wouldn't feel right for them to have some sort of uh, reconnection because it's not the same person. It wouldn't wouldn't make sense. And the jokes they have about it with the, the red, the blue, the greens, all the different the the comedic bits of them flying through space and just bumping into shit and just being kind of bumbling. It's a lot of fun, despite how dark it is. It's a lot of fun, and for the most part, it feels natural. I think that's the most important thing. Is the ma- majority of this feels like it's a natural progression of the story, and that's what's most important for me as a viewer and a reviewer. Um, of course, we got uh, Vin Diesel again. He just uh, in, in Groot says, I love you guys. And are we just going to completely ignore that? Or is that just, you know, we're just going to brush on by that? Whatever. Um, so apparently he can speak English fluently and whatever. I, I don't know how long he's been able to do that. But he was like, OK, um, he said hashtag family. Um, so, yeah, anything else? Anything else? Palm Clemith, Clementif, who plays mantis i really like her as well she's got a great comedic time and um sean gunn's brother as the the visualization mocap of rocket does an amazing job and then him as yondu uh of a, a, a former member of yondu's uh second in command and whatnot he's uh he's just interesting to watch he's, he's a interesting guy and i'm glad gunn puts him on there as well all right, everyone. So um, thank you for listening, watching Lug It Out Podcast. Again, let me know how I can improve. Subscribe, follow, thumbs up. You know what to do. We have uh, tons of other reviews coming down the pipe and reviews already available for you right now. LookItOutPodcast.com has all everything you need to find, links, uh, library, all that good stuff. And uh, if you want the full review of everything and everything early, you can go on patreon.com slash look at all podcast. You'll be able to listen to everything full review, $3 down. You can download it all and walk out unsubscribe. If you want. Do whatever you want to help subscribe and support the podcast. Thank you and take it easy.